Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. A Wave Sports and Entertainment original. My name is Bomani Jones. This is also presented to you by Prize Picks. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Chilling, man. I got to learn how to how to um, remind people to do all those things that are important in a way that feels cool, because it's, it's hard to do to tell people <laughs> to rate, review and subscribe and also still remain like with some level of dignity. I ain't begging you to like my shit. Just like it because right. it's good. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's hard to do it without feeling like you begging, man. <laughs> I hate it, man. And like uh, getting guests, all of the the whole, I'm new to the podcast world-ish, not like you, not a vet, but those are the things that are most annoying to me. It's like, I got to beg you to, to share my shit. I got to beg my friends to come <laughs> on my damn show. It is such a pain. And then try to schedule around them. It's like, God damn, I hate it. Yo, and my thing is, I don't feel like I got to beg you. I'm not going to beg you to actually like my show. Mm-hmm. I am simply going to remind you that there is a button that is tied to an algorithm that greatly affects my fortunes. Because that's what it comes down to is. I'm not asking you to like my show. Just click the button that says <laughs> like. Like I don't do. I, yeah, now that's I exactly go what through, I, was, I'll click I was about like to call you out. My shit. <laughs> I was about to call you out. I like nothing but my shit. I do the same thing. It's like I try to do it now. But like, I mean, I like your stuff or Mina stuff because I hear you remind me and you guys are people I actually care about. But when I'm listening to shows like just random shows i don't get in the comments i don't be rating review it leaving reviews and like or sharing it i just listen to it i'm very happy i appreciate it that i get off for free well my other thing is man i don't, I don't like i don't need to get an algorithm more information about me than it already got though it, it it does figure things out i'll tell you a funny story right i got a friend of mine um she had a baby and she was doing some post about like the skin on her stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, women talking about their body changing through pregnancy and all of that stuff. You know, stuff I'd never thought about. Oh, okay. Man, next time I looked into Instagram, discover page, and it went away from all that stuff that I had kind of trained it to give yeah. me. And next thing I know is a bunch of women's stomachs who had just had babies. I wonder if the algorithm thought you were a woman who just just had babies or that's what you was into. Right. I think I think it's more being. I think they misunderstood. I was yeah. showing love to the homie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I was I was trying to show love and respect. That's really where I was coming from. I wonder if there's like I mean, I'm not. I wonder. I'm sure there are specific demographics that they just kind of like drop you in this and they assume based on this, this and this that you are this type of person. I wonder how accurate it is because I feel like my algorithm is not accurate because I've worked so hard, at least on Instagram, I've worked so hard to yes. train it to do certain things that they probably think I'm a lot older than I am. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
that they think I'm black or not, but I get a lot of hip hop music, which doesn't mean that they think I'm black. <laughs> I, I'd be interested to know. They definitely know I'm a dad. I get all that content where it's like dads complaining about shit. I get that sent to be like, I don't want to hear that. That's my life. I don't want to look at somebody else doing that. <laughs> I do know this though. At one point, and I'm not going to give the details, but the algorithm knew me better than it should have. Like I looked up, it was like, damn, how you know that's how you know that's what I'm about? That's, like, like, like who let you, who let you know? That's when I got like conscious of it. Was they done put a little too many of the things that I want to see? And I was like, look, I'm gonna untrain this because I don't need that reminder in my life every day. I don't need to be see. I don't need to be confronted with that all the time. So I'm quite no, proud of my Explorer page right now. You get on there, you don't know what I'm into. Nah, man, what time? I got it. I got to admit, it was a little niche what it was looking for, <laughs> but it was my niche. It, it was it was definitely, definitely my niche. Now, look, we got a lot going on. We got some NFL stuff to get to. We, <laughs> just saying, that's the, that is the most dignified way that I could put that. I love that. it. I love it. Good for you, man. Yeah, Yes, like there's a word that starts with F that one might say is probably a more accurate description. But I think niche, because my mama's listening, is the way that we should probably go. But we got a lot of NFL stuff going on. We got big games. Uh, there's wild NBA stuff that's also happening here. But I had something that hit me. And forgive me, I'm going to throw a curveball on our wonderful producers here. But it's something that hit me right before we got started here. And I would just say this right now. If something happened to me and I'm gone and y'all are still here, don't come out here calling me complex because Bobby Knight passed away on Wednesday and I'm watching everybody lead off with the he is a complex figure. And maybe we just can't be honest about all of this until the body gets a little bit colder. And I understand that. I'm willing to show like some measure of respect in that regard. But come on, man. We all know what complex means when you say that. People liked him even though he was an asshole. I don't That's know. That's what how, you mean. Yeah, you, don't I, to, you ain't got to sugarcoat it. But I guess it's for people who it's a it's a shortcut, right? Because they don't want to they only get one line headline or something. So they just say he complex, man. If you want to know more, read more. Uh, I hope because I guess it's harder just to write it all out that way. Yeah, but it kind of depends on like what we get on you for having done previously or how it is that we feel about you. So at night, we got like stuffing the cop in the trash can. We got the thing with him yoking the kid up just in a whole bunch of other things. And maybe it's just too many lines or whatever. But I do know this. When Kobe Bryant died, I had enough calls with enough people who producers and the whole talk was, how are we going to talk about that one thing? Like, it was very clear that we were going to get out of here. We wouldn't talk about this complex. It was like, hey, Kobe did a thing that triggers a lot of people. And so it is that we need to talk about what that thing happens to be. I mean, some of that stuff that Knight did, it hit me in a bad place, too. It's not the same thing, obviously. But ain't nobody coming in and being like, yo, we got to make sure we talk about this bad thing, too. Nobody's doing that. The to be fair with the Kobe stuff, I remember having those like conversations within media. I don't remember that at all being a part of the way, with the exception of was it Gail King who uh, asked Lisa Leslie a question that most people like recoiled at her asking it. But I don't remember the um, the rape allegations in Colorado coming up as a part of the way that we remembered Kobe Bryant. I do, I do. Yeah, the problem was. And I don't mean this like in an, I, I, 
it's hard to say this without it appearing to have a connotation, but this is the truth. It kind of depended on agenda, right? If the matter of sexual assault was a very big deal to you and very important and like a cause that you champion, then this was going to be a thing that you jumped up on, right? Like this was going to be a thing that you managed to come out here and be like, hey, we can't lose sight of this one thing, which by the way, I don't think it's unfair. I'd rather you do that to me than come out here after I'm gone and talk about, boy, you sure was complex. Now, just say it with some people who ain't like me. Yeah. It's cool. That's part of what make the rest of y'all like me more. But you're not, I mean, you're not going to get the complex thing unless something's going to happen between now and 90, 100, whatever you make it to, because yeah. it's not that, like, it, it isn't complex. It's pretty straightforward. The thing that yeah, makes. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I might be complex in rooms that me and you don't go in, right? <laughs> like, like, like in the in the places where not everybody like us, and somebody yeah. want to say something about me, and they're like, "But what about?" They're like, "Nah, man, he was complex. I liked him, even though you know how he felt about police." Nah, but I mean, these are major incidences that these people were involved Fair. in. That's different. You might have complex thoughts, or the way that you even presenting yourself might. Um, engender or might generate some complex feelings within people but it's not actually that complex you you wore a t-shirt one time on mike and mike is the most complex <laughs> we can get about it bob knight on the other hand but throwing chairs and yoking people yeah but see i don't think i don't think he's complex at all i don't no. think he was complex at all what i think happened with bobby knight was this before he turned 37 he had been to two Final Fours, had two undefeated regular seasons, and he had a national championship, and he became the king while also being somebody with a terrible temper and he's someone who happened to be a bully. At the same time, he thought education was important, right? And he didn't think players should get paid money. I don't see anything complex in that, right? Yeah. It's just that he's a dude that won a lot of games and was important to a lot of people who also had a tendency to be a bit of a jerk. I don't think that's complex. I know jerks that do nice things all the time. Yeah, whether we think it's complex or not is different from the, them using that word complex. Um, I agree with you. He's Fair. not very complex. And I think he is an example of something that a lot of people probably experience, except don't have the power to push back. It's like, and I think we probably experienced it also, where the world changes around you. But when you are the king of Bloomington, you feel like you don't have to let the world change. And like cameras everywhere, yeah. behaviors changing, expectations changing. Most people change and adapt with the times because you don't got no damn choice. But when you are like you pointed out, one of the best coaches in the history of college football as far as or college basketball as far as results are concerned, and you live in a little fiefdom, which is college sports, you're like, no. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing me. And at no point did he ever stop being himself, whether he had control or not, which is a whole nother yeah. question about how much control someone with what appeared to be severe anger management issues has. But either way, he wasn't trying to change. And y'all wasn't going to make his rich, successful ass change, no matter how much you uh, ridicule him. I'd also make the point that Bobby Knight gets a lot more simple once you realize he was 6'5". Like, that was a large man. <laughs> like, I walked past Bobby Knight a couple times. Yeah, you walk past Bobby Knight, you know it. You know that man is here. <laughs> I feel like it would have fit more if he was 5'5 five five than 6'5. I feel like what I, my, the archetype uh, I have of a 6'5 guy is kind of the guy who don't need to puff his chest out and act like a fool all the time. Ah, uh, see, 
five five would explain the behavior. Six five would explain how you get away with it. Oh, wow. <laughs> he yeah. a lot of asses. Somebody had the bright idea to swing back. The best one is I've heard this one a few times. Bobby Knight getting into a fight with Isaiah Thomas' brother at the in house. Like that was one thing about Bobby Knight. He he was down to fight everybody. You have to be like if you act like that. You have to be yeah. at a drop of a hat. He must have been a late bloomer. He must not grown too late in life. <laughs> he, and yeah, he already internalized yeah, no, all the little no. man complex. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Now, the one thing I would say, if you wanted to make argument about Bob Knight and the complexity, it is that, because I asked Isaiah once, I was like, so what is, where does your affection for Knight come from? And he was like, hey, man, wasn't nobody taking dudes from out the hood and trying to get them educated like that at that time? Now, that is the closest thing that I think that you get to some measure of, of complexity. complexity. Yeah. But I want to move on to something simple, which is the Raiders firing Josh McDaniels. Basically, and I'm not saying he did this on purpose, but jo the, they did rather. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams got that man fired because they made it very clear. This is over. We're done. We've had enough. It doesn't feel like it takes very much. He's had two head coaching jobs and has been unable to finish two seasons. I don't care what Devontae or Josh did or said, or behind closed doors, in front of closed doors, that ain't happening in most situations. And the fact that it happened twice to the same guy, that says more about him than it does about anybody else. I don't know him personally, so I want to be hesitant, but like he gives off a, I got this all under control vibe. And I think one thing you have to learn anytime you're moving into a new organization is that there is a culture that exists. And if you are looking to institute a culture, it's not going to work. You need to cultivate a culture, which is why the word is culture. You need to move it slowly from where it is to where you want it to be or where you find it can be successful. And again, I don't have any reason. I don't have any um, evidence that Josh McDaniels is this type. But it seems it stands to reason if you come from the Patriots organization, you show up and you like, man, I'm going to do this just like we did it there. It worked there. It might work here, but it's going to take you a while to get that to work. And just bringing in a bunch of guys that you knew that played with you in the past, that is not going to change the culture, particularly when the best players on the team, you got to sell them. You, they they got to buy into the culture. And it feels like he ain't that guy. He's like, look, this is what we're doing, which could work if you have a like Bill Belichick. You hire him somewhere else and he say, we doing things this way. Hell yeah. We all going to get in line. Josh McDaniels. Eh, I'm going to push back. Yeah. Well, you got to start. You got to start winning right away. Right. Because yeah. that mean this was 
Belichick being a Parcells guy and running things in a very Parcellsian model rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when he first got when he got there in Cleveland and you know signs of trouble they got him out of there it's a little complex but that was part of it he got to New England and even after having won a Super Bowl when he cut lawyer Malloy the world was like hey dog I don't know about this and then they rattled off one of the best two-year runs in the history of the NFL and it was like okay but this is actually similar to Knight in the sense that the guys who came up under Knight outside of Krzyzewski Knight can kick it like Knight kicked it Mm. that don't mean you can kick it like Knight kicked it and that's safe and Josh look the thing that tells me I would have never hired Josh McDaniels is do you remember that 2010 draft when they did all this getting the pick, moving down, moving up. They just kept doing all these moves and all these changes just to take Tim Tebow. That is the man who saw Tim Tebow and was like, yeah, I can take him in the first round. Keeping in mind, he's the dude that when he had Cutler in Denver was like, no, I can make anybody an all pro. And he was like, watch me. I'm going to take the worst quarterback you've ever seen and I'm going to make him into an all pro. That was a shame that, um, I mean, they had that run with Tebow, which obviously I think you and I have talked about this before, how challenging a time that was <laughs> to be in this industry. Um, but you would think that he would have learned something from the last stint and then gone back to New England and maybe learned something more about himself or about what actually is key to having this success. That's the sad part, but I guess it's good. He won't get another head coaching job because I think he's demonstrated that that's not what he's good at, which is fine. Lots of people, uh, yeah, lots of people are meet their ceiling at one particular portion of the organization. It seems like he it's going to be 20 years of him having a lot of success before anybody else brings it back in. And he's the same guy who told the Colts, the Colts, yeah, but nah. <laughs> that man got yeah, three sure head is. coaching jobs. Sure now, he's about to be something that's really more a college phenomenon than anything else, which is the super highly paid coordinator. I mean, he's going to wind up like O'Brien's oh, going to find somewhere else to go off this New England thing because I think he can get another head coaching job and it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. I wouldn't do it but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. And then Josh going to go back to making two, $3 million being Bill Belichick's offensive coordinator. And that's probably where he needs to be. But there's something to this that I don't think is being discussed enough, which is the Raiders made Antonio Pierce um, the interim head coach. And I don't know how well you know Antonio Pierce. I don't know him very well. I used to do a few interviews with him when he worked at ESPN. But I do know this. He basically had to leave Arizona State because he was cheating so blatantly and so shamelessly that they was just like, dog, we can't we can't have it like this, which honestly, for those of us of a certain age, means he perfect for the Raiders. Like you talk about cultivate, cultivating a culture, just win, baby, this renegade thing. That's what he about. Like I could halfway see it that working. In his press conference, he mentioned how he grew up on this NWA Raiders hat Compton thing. And that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, yeah, this is the Raiders. I know this is Al Davis. Uh, get the fastest guys, the biggest guys, the strongest guys and suit a league and fight everybody. That is a culture that existed <laughs> it, with the Raiders. Maybe it doesn't carry over from L.A. and from Oakland to to Vegas maybe they're trying to be a new shinier different thing but 
that eye patch is real, man. Like they are one of the few teams that had a distinctive uh, culture and image. And it was cool as shit. Like all black with yeah. the silver. And it was like counterculture. Like it was cool enough that the most cutting edge of the cutting edge of art and music was out here. Like, yeah, I want to associate myself with that. That ain't the Raiders no more. Yo, man. You need heels, right? You can't have yeah. all baby faces. You got to have some heels to actually make this pop. And like you wound up with the Patriots who like could have been a heel, except they in red, white, and blue. And they called themselves the Patriots and Jim Nance love them too much. And was calling like 11 of their games a year. But you, you know, a villain is kind of helpful to have out here. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders come out here and just start racking up 15 yard penalties coming out here the next game. I don't know if it's the brightest thing that they could do, but like I'm trying, I'm, I'm down. I'm here to see it. And I want to defend Mark Davis right fast. And I really defend Mark Davis. I just seen all these people come out here and talk about all these coaches that he's had since he's owned the team and he hadn't shown no patience. And that is not true. That man had found the man that he wanted to coach that team forever. But y'all made him <laughs> let that man go. He, he wanted some consistency. Yeah. He was try He gave a man a 10 year contract. He was trying to ride that thing out. He saw John Gruden's emails and he was like, no. Yep consistency is what I want. And y'all were like, nah, it's time for a change. Yeah, Mark Davis did have his guy. His guy was, didn't understand where that emails are forever <laughs> and that he can't act that kind of way in public, which I, I guess he probably already knew he can't act that kind of way in public, but he thought the private was going to stay private. Uh, whatever happened with that lawsuit? I feel like he had... Like he had Goodell oh, oh, hemmed oh, up on it, that it's, one. It's still out there. Oh, yeah. It's still out there. And John Gruden is going to take that all the way because he hates Roger Goodell so much. Like you told me that you reached out to Sean Payton to just be like, hey, man, keep up the good fight. When you hit John Gruden up, you hit him up yet? <laughs> he kind of fighting the same call. Nah, me and John Gruden ain't going to be aligned. The NFL should go ahead and um and uh, and go ahead and settle that. Go ahead and settle that. You got the money. Go ahead and oh, settle that. Point. Pass that point. Pass that point. Ain't so, nobody in the world. Are we going to get discovery? Oh, we can't get discovery. We might, because John Gruden. Look, the thing we got to remember in a moment like this is this is still a rich white man, yeah. right? He don't need the money. He got the money. It's it's bigger than Nino Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like That's he, scary. He hates Goodell so much that I think this is going to go all the way. Because, look, his point is this. And I think that this is a fair one. And this is the one that if you ask the NFL person, they kind of start you know, making faces and stuff. But he's like, so you're going to tell me out of all them zillions of emails, the only person that says something sideways is me, huh? I'm the only one. Yeah, okay. I, I agree with him wholeheartedly there. And, and that's like, I understand the position that he's taking. I can't, it's hard for me to defend the things that he said or did, but the idea that y'all going to use me, my career, my money, my life, my reputation, yes. my family to to try to sweep all this stuff under the rug. No, no, I'm grabbing everybody on my way down. If I'm John Gruden, he definitely going to. And you're right. He don't. There is. I mean, I guess you say that everybody has a number or a price, but his life ain't going to change. He already got tens of millions of dollars. There is no number that is high enough, probably, to make him stop because I'm with you. Like, if I'm him, get that discovery out there. Let's sift through all these emails since, I, since I'm the bad guy. I'm the only racist in the NFL. Shit. Y'all going to see all this. <laughs> Yo, my man, uh, my man Hughes in Atlanta, I've known him for a very, very long time, a mentor of mine, and he put a video up on Instagram a while ago, and you know, I ain't really out here trying to get inspired on Instagram, but he made a point here. He was like, either you got a line 
or you got a price, right? Like if you don't have a line that you're willing to draw on something, then what you're saying is that you have a price and that somebody can induce you to cross this line with whatever the price happens to be. John Gruden ain't got no price. John Gruden got a line. I know that's not what Hughes was trying to inspire uh, <laughs> when he put that post up, but it's the truth. John Gruden has a line. They crossed the line. Yeah, that's a line that everyone should have. And I get it. But yeah, it's hard for me to get on the side. <laughs> I guess this is just like uh like uh I, like Alien vs. Predator, I don't know. Where I don't have to root for nobody. Yeah. I just want to watch it happen because <laughs> it's hard to root for either side, yes. but I certainly want to watch it happen. Oh, no. No, man. But, hey, coming up next on The Right Time, uh, we'll talk to you guys. We got Dallas, Philadelphia coming up this week and also trying to make sense of the trade deadline because a couple of things happened that I got to say don't make no sense at all. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. And now I can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. A league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey and a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made in receptions. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's video is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you're like me and love seeing your favorite artists in concert, you got to use SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With the NFL and NBA seasons in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Being a New Yorker, I have the opportunity to watch games or concerts at MSG or even Barclays Center. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you guys. You can use my code BOMANI for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code BOMANI. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. The holidays are right around the corner and HelloFresh can help ease some stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you so much time. The holiday season can be crazy, and that's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in handy. These quick fixes help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. Just like always, HelloFresh's ingredients travel straight from the farm to your door, so you know they're fresh. And everything arrives pre-portioned, so you can start cooking them immediately. When I have busy podcast recording days, I prefer HelloFresh instead of delivery because not only is it more convenient, but it's also so much healthier. 
Go to HelloFresh.com slash JonesFree and use code JonesFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while the subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash JonesFree with code JonesFree. All right, Dominique, we got the Cowboys and the Eagles, and I am just a little bit older than you, but old enough that I'm like, you don't remember the Bounty Bowl, do you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, I don't remember it, but I know about it. It involved your man, Buddy Ryan. I remember it in real time. It was the craziest thing in the world that was going on. Basically, the Cowboys, coached by Jimmy Johnson, alleged that the Eagles, coached by Buddy Ryan, a man they would never let be a head coach ever in this day and age, <laughs> has set out bounties on Cowboys players, which seemed unnecessary because the Cowboys were 1-15 that year. And it even got crazier because there was a couple of Zendejasis that were kicking at the time. Mm-hmm. There was Tony Zendejas who, co- who kicked for the Oilers at the time. And then there was Luis Zendejas, who was kicking for the Cowboys, for the Eagles. And then the Eagles cut him and he started kicking for the Cowboys. And Buddy Rice sent somebody out there to take that man out. That's absurd. Yeah, I, that was the big, that was like the <laughs> first bounty ball, right? Why are you taking out kickers? Yeah. It's like, it's absurd. Y'all shouldn't have cut him if you wanted him not to go to the Cowboys. But yeah, maybe he did something else. <laughs> maybe the reason why he got cut is uh, something that I don't understand. Just signing with the Cowboys ain't enough reason to go try to hurt a kicker. Yo, and I imagine that for most players, look, if it's a job out there, I'm going to take it. Okay, cool. That's it. I imagine the kicker is caring less about all the trappings and surroundings and everything else than anybody else. I need a job. They got a job. I'm going to take the job. Oh, yeah. And the kicker's job is so, like, fickle. <laughs> like, I've seen kickers get fired after a bad week after they had three good weeks in a row. <laughs> so, yeah, y'all don't have no loyalty to him. Why should he have any loyalty to y'all? So uh, maybe we need to get discovery on the on uh, whatever the version of emails was back then because he had to do something else. Like, right, for Buddy Ryan and the team to be like, <laughs> we got to get him. He did so. He was st- – while everybody was out practicing, he was stealing in the locker room or something. He was up to somebody. <laughs> he was flirting with somebody's wife. He, that man did more than just – <laughs> Go take a job with the Cowboys. <laughs> Man, but this game now, yo, Dak Prescott is at this point in his career. Dak Prescott can come out here and throw for eight touchdown passes on Sunday night. Do it in the playoffs, baby. Ain't nobody trying to hear about it till then. Like, Jalen Hurts has done enough to where he ain't got to hear that no more, right? Dak Prescott, on the other hand, and look, it's an up and down situation with him. And it always seems to me, and you tell me if I'm tripping here, let it be a game where Dak Prescott ain't playing well. The Cowboys solution now with Mike McCarthy and it was the same with Keller Moore. All right, we'll keep throwing it. Keep yeah. going. Yeah, I think that is always the solution. Uh, it has been since early on in Dak's career. I will say that the, the storylines for quarterbacks tend, tend to follow like a couple different structures and Jalen avoided to do it in the playoffs because his first real run, they made a deep run in the playoffs and he balled in the Super Bowl with the exception of that one fumble. But at some point for Jalen, I don't know how long this glow lasts, but, but the next hurdle for Jalen is once they start losing some players. Can you do it without these guys? And then at some point, can you win the big one? But you're right. Dak is at a point now where don't nothing matter. Like, he balled the last two weeks. Like, he essentially put the team on his back offensively the last couple of weeks. We be going bananas for just about anybody else having this type of run, bouncing back from a tough loss. But Dak can't do nothing. That and honestly, last year they it was like, can he do it in the playoffs? Beat the dog shit out of the Bucks 
balled. Then the next week, he lost in San Francisco, and it's like he never won a playoff game again. So it's going to happen this year. If they if they don't get to at least the conference championship or win the conference championship game, it's going to happen again. And he's going to re-enter next season yep. with a bunch to prove. Yeah, and I mean, with the Eagles, it's interesting you mentioned that because it's not just can you do it without players. It's can you do it without players and everybody saying that the reason you ain't got them players is because they paying you all that money. Yeah. Like you become directly responsible for the fact that we ain't got these players, which is a function of the salary cap, yes. But now, like, you got to answer it in that way. That's the part that's just kind of like, all right, I can't win. Got you. I, I'll give them some credit over there as um, Howie Roseman's done a good job of like taking a lot of shots and draft because what happens is uh, and I try to change the focus from saying like all right now he got paid now he got to put the team on his back and try to be more honest about what's happening what happened for a lot of young talented quarterbacks is they are making the GM's job incredibly easy because they're producing at a much higher value than they're getting paid now once you pay them what they're worth now it's the GM's turn to produce at a higher value than we expect you got to find other discounts don't blame the player for getting what he deserves the gm is now your job and i think howie's done a good job in just continuously um stockpiling draft picks and drafting guys that can take pressure off of the rest of the team and hopefully they'll hit on a i mean for their sake hopefully they'll hit on a couple offensively and defensively and then they'll be all right but that's what it really really boils down to can you find hits in the draft that's how you sustain success in this league when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, while I'm thinking about it, because that's an interesting part of the San Francisco story is they have found hits in the draft to go along with a pretty like spectacular run of misses. Also, yeah. like like the, the, other than Bosa, which is a pick that any of us could have made, um, you know, you give them a high pick, they'll find a way to somehow, even when it seemed obvious, right, or, or quasi obvious, somehow they'll find a way to get that wrong. But are you noticing now that everybody is like coming and finding Jesus about Brock Purdy to the point where I feel it's actually unfair? Yeah, I think you're probably right. The the Brock Purdy thing has been a wild roller coaster ride, and you're right about the 49ers. What the 49ers have done though is they've last three seasons they've made big in season kind of trades, which is a different model. You can't hit in the draft when you don't got no draft picks. Uh, but like they got Garoppolo, then they got. Um, I guess that was preseason Garoppolo. Then they got McCaffrey, and now they're trying to add Chase Young. And that's a it's a strategy. It's worked for them, and they have good coaches that, that can, uh, particularly defensively, that can make it work for them because they've always had a great defense. But to your point about Purdy, this is about, to me, this is about the environment that we live in, and 
it's what's going to happen. And I feel it happening to me and I try to like fight it. But once somebody says the thing, you got to say the thing that is a little bit stronger. And like, I didn't go all the way on the far end of like Brock Purdy's Joe Montana, but it took me a while, but I was like, yeah, Brock Purdy's really good. Then that man stunk it up for the next two weeks. And I'm not willing to be like, (laughs) he stinks. I think the fact of the matter is, Brock Purdy is much better than the position where he was drafted. I'll give him that. But he is a young quarterback. And the point that I've made to you and made on my podcast several times is every quarterback that's drafted in the NFL has the talent to succeed. The question is, will he have the environment and the time needed to develop that talent? Which is why the idea of terrible teams drafting quarterback number one overall to me seems like you are destined to still be a terrible team and that quarterback is likely not going to grow into something special and Dak is the perfect example of it honestly any of the best quarterbacks in football with the exception of Joe Burrow are a perfect example of it but Dak is the perfect example because you and I both were slow to buy in on Dak because I was watching them damn games his rookie year. That team was balling. They was running shit out of the ball. They wasn't asking Dak to do anything. It was essentially what Purdy was doing early in his career. And, and by doing that, I think you buy him time to learn, add a new thing to his game, add a, a thing here, add a thing there, and then you show up and you know what? You got a legitimate franchise quarterback. And I think I see the same thing for Purdy, but the challenge for Purdy is people started saying the thing like, oh no, he up there with these other guys. Like, no, he is on an accelerated. Yeah. He's on an accelerated path because of the talent around him. And he may, he has the chance because they can hold him up. He has the chance to grow into something special. It's unlikely because it doesn't happen for most guys, but he has the chance. And now, People jumped off that ship. And I mean, it seems obvious to me what's happening now. I would just like to make the point, as I did on the last show, the father and father away, Trey Lance got the more sober eyed people got about Brock Purdy. It's a thing that happens. I'll say this about Brock Purdy. They would be better off in some ways if Brock Purdy wasn't as good as he was or perhaps as good as he thinks he is. Because now that he got that confidence, he going back to some of that YOLO ball that he was out there doing in college. It was a really entertaining ride. Like when he was pulling that off, I have to say. The adjectives matter. And the fact of the matter is we were describing uh, the anticipatory nature of his passes as an asset. Now, these anticipation passes are certainly a problem. And it wasn't as if he wasn't hitting people in the chest with those anticipation passes in the pl- in the past. It was that some of them was getting dropped or the defense was holding them and it was enough to win. So then we highlight the fact that he was killing people on them deep ends, throwing them before people cut, throwing them in the windows when linebackers weren't there. You get and that works. You develop that as a habit that you can trust. So you get in the fourth quarter of a game where you're down two scores. The linebackers don't give a shit about your play action and you like, nope, you know what? I'm I'm going to anticipate this dig like I always did. You know who's standing there? A guy with a 52, 56 right there, 57, kept catching them things occasionally, bouncing them off his face. Those, I mean, it's pretty simple to me. Is like he's built up a trust for that play. And that play is designed to work in certain situations. He ain't in that situation no more. And he don't got, a, he don't got his next move. He need to figure that out. Yep. I'm here. One last thing on the way out. Uh, I was going to talk about how the Bears don't make no sense because for the second year in a row, they traded high level capital to add to a team that 
stinks and we know it's supposed to stink and it's going to stink. I don't really understand why you would do that. I'm work. I'm working. Uh, I'm working on something right now to try to figure out how to support because in actuality, it is the antithesis of tanking and I need to find a way to support it. And I think I got some. I, I, I think that it's it's about messaging to your team and it's about getting sweat in there to see if he is the right fit for your locker room. That's the argument that I can make. The Chase Claypool, yeah, that, that that's harder to defend. But I think back to the Steelers. And while the Steelers aren't in position to win a championship, but when Ben Rosenberger got hurt, we all were like, damn, perfect. Y'all about to get a draft pick. They traded that draft pick away, got Minka Fitzpatrick. And since then, they've been a competitive team. Maybe they aren't a championship team, but I think it does you are always, everything you say and do is communicating when you're a leader. It's communicating something to your team. And maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. But Ryan Poles is at least communicating to his team. When giving up, that's the best I could do. Yeah, I think I think that there is something to that because he's somebody worth keeping, right? Yeah. Like, they, th- this makes way more sense than Claypool. Like, yeah. you can get a dude this good. And at that age, and if you can get him an extension, then okay, you know, this one makes a lot more sense. Although, Sweat wanted to go to Atlanta because he went to high school in Atlanta, all this. And then they were like, nah, we good on that. And that, I mean, that has to be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, that, yeah your home team don't want you. That's, that's tough. I had the opposite situation. I don't know. No, I think the home team did. I think the oh. bear, I mean, the, the, oh. the Washington decided, nah, we're going to send you somewhere else. For the same price? I don't know if it was the same price. I, have like, to tell I don't remember you, the exact details on it. I have to tell you this. One good thing about Mike Shanahan is when I got traded, that man gave me a choice. It was kind of a disrespectful choice, but it was a choice nonetheless because he called me in the office and was like, the Falcons want you. And after he had told me for many weeks that they weren't going to trade me, he was like, the Falcons want you and the Chiefs want you. The Chiefs in the damn division. You just going to trade me in the division like I ain't going to be a problem? I'm going to tell him everything, you asshole. And then he was like, the the Falcons or the <laughs> Chiefs, the Chiefs wanted me to sign a, a short-term extension. And the Falcons were like, you can be a free agent after this year. That's what it came down to for me. It's not about Kansas City versus uh, Atlanta. And so I was like, send me to Atlanta. And it worked out. But, yeah, he gave me the choice. They should have gave Montez the choice. Yeah, no, nah, hey, look, Chase Young. Whole town team is like, how'd you like to play with winners? Does winners sound like you want to do this? I mean, look, this this Chase Young on one side, Nick Bosa on the other side. That's a little terrifying. Chase Young has not developed into the player that we thought he was going to be, but he's still a pretty good pass rusher, and he still has the potential to grow into that place, that to that player. And yeah, getting guaranteed single teams is going to help him. And being in high-profile situations, he about to make himself some money if they can keep playing well or they can start playing well again, and he can get some of them closing sacks in these playoff games. He uh, Things might have worked out pretty well for him. And then he, I mean... Not having to play here is probably good for him too. <laughs> it's been rough for him, man. Like, it's been rough for thirty years. It's been thirty years of roughness. Now let me ask you this: You are a union man, down for the working man. Yep. You um, have worked for the NBA, uh, National Basketball Players Association. It's not the NBAPA; it is the NBPA, yes. but that doesn't have a ring to it. Um, they got to make James Harden their next president, right? <laughs> I heard you and Spencer talking about that before. I was reading about the UAW strikes and how they did uh, some interesting tactics where they are like uh, 
kind of spread out their strikes. Anyway, that's not important. The point is unorthodox measures might be called for. I feel you. The problem with James Harden is he's made it pretty clear that he care about James Harden. <laughs> he is not about what is best for the players. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know that he should be well, the Well, maybe union you need leader. to have him do a seminar then. Yeah. Just teach them how to have that stomach because he got that <laughs> stomach. I like the idea of James Harden teaching people how to endure public ridicule at the Ramada Inn. A nice Ramada Inn seminar. You know how you feel about Ramada Inn seminars. <laughs> it's the one that they might get me to go to because whatever James Harden yeah. got. Oh. Well, people don't realize, though, the NFL has an analogous figure to James Harden as it relates to wanting to run the union. And that's Sean Gilbert. Oh, right? like, yeah. Sean Gilbert always wants to run the union because Sean Gilbert's like, y'all need a gangster, right? <laughs> and he has his test case, the hero to every NFL player, his nephew, Darrell Revis, yeah. who absolutely was like, Darrell Revis is what, 38 years old with all his money and he in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah, and that's that's that last point is the most important point. The thing about negotiations that I think a lot of people believe that negotiation is a skill, which I guess it kind of is a skill, and they believe that the skill of negotiations is like I can play hardball at the right time, or I can say the right thing, or I walk away and flip my chair as I walk out. That's how I'm going to get what I want. No, ne negotiations is about leverage. It's about how you can create leverage. And you know what is a lot of leverage? Being a Hall of Fame cornerback is real easy as a <laughs> Hall of Fame cornerback to be like, nah, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing that. Same with James Harden. It's real easy to, when you're a Hall of Fame talent and you're also willing to take the embarrassment, it's really hard when you're the head of a union of a bunch of powerful players to be like, hey, we ain't taking that. Most of these guys is broke and they want to take it. So the idea that you can apply whatever tactics that Darrell Rivas did to the entire union is absurd. And I'm sure that Sean Gilbert knows better than to think that he can just walk in there and act like what the NFLPA or what the NFL players represents to the league is the same thing that Darrell Reeves represents to a team. He represents, you know what? Your defense is mediocre. Now it's good. You know what? Your defense is good. Now it's great. That's a lot different than what all the players. And also it was like, I can walk away or there's 31 other teams that are willing to pay me. There ain't no other pro sports leagues that's out here trying to hire the NFL players. It's a, it's a much more difficult and thorny process, which I would love to get into in depth at some point, but not today. Well, the other part is, at some point, Sean Gilbert running that union. Because people have to understand, Sean Gilbert took a year. where He's like, I ain't signing this contract, and he did not play a year, which I actually don't think is nearly as bad a play as people make it out to be. Yeah. They're like, you'll never get that money again. Yeah, but I didn't get hit. Like there's, you know, I think there's a like that trade is worth considering, but it would be a matter of time before Sean Gilbert got in there and called them dudes a bunch of punks. <laughs> there's something like, to be weak. there's something to be said though for the image that Sean Gilbert presents because that's um, even if there is an unlikelihood that the players will actually do something wild, you hire Sean Gilbert, the owners automatically think that there's a higher possibility that some wild shit might happen. And that does make them a little bit more prone to like bend a little bit. But the problem with trying to be a gangster against the league is they are all gangsters too. They have not gotten yeah. to where they have gotten by um, playing fair and being polite. 
But this also reminds me of one of my favorite stories about that NBA lockout, uh, the 2011 going into 2012, was them apparently having a meeting that Kevin Garnett attended, and he apparently was Kevin Garnett in that meeting. And I just tried to imagine what it had to be like for those owners to have Kevin Garnett in there. Hey, Lord. Hey, Lord. You know, and actually doing the Kevin Garnett stuff. How terrifying that might be. He might have come in there after running just so he would be sweaty. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just so they could understand the full intensity of the Kevin Garnett. Yeah, and we saw the outcome of that deal. They don't care. They might have been scared in that moment. Then they went back and they didn't care. I'm just saying, put Kevin Garnett in charge of the union. At the very least, them negotiations going to have a, have a different spirit to them. That is fair. I think a lot of the negotiations, like I mentioned, it's about creating leverage. And normally uh, a threat that we won't do something or I'll do something crazy is not actual leverage. But it is, obviously, to James Harden, it is actual leverage because they look at him and they're like, you know what? He might wear a fat suit. Like, this this man is actually going to do something wild. So are we going to trade you right now exactly where you want to go? Yeah. Like, we saw it with Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, not that guy. And you know what? He ain't get what he wanted. (laughs) He got, I mean, he got something good out of it, but he ain't get what he said he wanted. And not in the same time frame as James Harden has done it time and time again. So there's something to be said for being willing to endure some level of pain. Burn it all down. We can all go down. I'm willing to go down. That's fine. We all going to go down. And I want to read to you this passage from when uh, Adrian Wojnarowski wrote about uh, the Kevin Garnett showing up. Quote, this fight has grown nastier, more personal in the past weeks. Privately, management insists that everything changed when the Boston Celtics' Kevin Garnett walked into the negotiating room on October 4th. The owners knew it wouldn't go well, but Garnett started glowering across the table, sources said. Like the league lawyers, owners, and officials were opponents at the center jump. He was defiant, determined, and ornery. He was KG. And then the next part here, as one league official said, we were making progress until Garnett fucked everything up. (laughs) He thinks that he fucked everything up. You know what? I mean, that is another traditional uh, negotiation tactic where it's like somebody go in there and act an asshole. Then we leave and we come back and we start talking. And people, the other side is like, nah, we can't do it. Look, man, I just talked to him. He want to come back in. I don't want him to come back in. You got to give me something. I can't go back in there. I'm supposed to stand in front of him. You saw what he was doing. So, get, I mean, you got to give me something to tell him because I can't go tell him because I tell him y'all ain't moved from where we did last time. He coming back in this room. That I mean, hey, I like KG as, as a, as a pit bull. <laughs> it's your call. It's up to well, you, I'm, man. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm yeah. doing the best I can. I keep, you know, I keep trying to hold him back, but like, I ain't going to be able to hold him back too much longer. Like, it's similar to a story I heard, well, used those days about a NBA player who had showed up somewhere in his very fancy car and somebody called somebody who knows that dude. It was like, hey, man, you need to tell your mans to get up out of here because them boys trying to get him for his car and they done talking to me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm they scared. Done. They've had man. enough. <laughs> I'm yeah. scared. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you need, you got it. <laughs> yep, yep. That, I don't need that card. I don't need that card. And on that note, that is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out on the Dominique Foxworth Show. Get that wherever you get your podcast. And of course, check him out here on Foxworth Fridays yeah. on the right time. My man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Rate and review um, both of us. Give us what you're supposed to do. Yes. Do that now.
Yes, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original. Sean, you handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, remember, hit our voicemail line. The telephone number four said voicemail line is 323-596-7767. You heard that. We want your stories about that time you got caught trying to sneak into something. Remember... Follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Like, subscribe, all of those fancy things that the algorithm loves. And I'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. 